Hello guys, welcome to the ninth episode of the Fantastic Book Club. I'm Swastik. And I'm Tanisha. And here we are again with another Saturday's episode. You know what it means. It's Tinder with Swastik and Tanisha, baby. And so we are going to continue with our book, Cinder, which is the first book in the Lunar Chronicles that I'm reading. Enjoy. As I did promise in the last episode, this chapter starts with Cinder waking up in Prince Kai's arms. <laughs> so, in the last episode where we left Cinder is where Cinder fell off the table and crying out loud in pain because Dr. Erland had was doing something like he was touching her in the spine or something. It, it sounds creepy and it was creepy obviously, but yeah. So that was happening and she somehow he kind of touched and some sensitive spot and she got hurt and she kind of passed away but passed away what <laughs> she oh no passed out. oh no she passed out people don't uh, resurrect in this world fam. oh oh no i just killed senda anyways she was not killed so uh she passed out and when consciousness she regained her consciousness it was in Prince Kai's arms. It so happened that the timing of Cinder's falling off the table and Kai's entering the lab just happened to overlap. And yeah, when she was losing her consciousness, Kai was just entering. And so he basically caught her midwear or something like when, when, basically when she regained her consciousness and fluttered open her eyes, she saw Kai. And immediately being a typical sender thing she just got super conscious about her limbs and her mechanical foot and arms and she Mm. was like uh i got to hide my cyborg parts i'm just okay i think i hope someday cinder finds it like comforting being herself you know like she's always so Mm. conscious like She's like so conscious about herself, her being cyborg. And when she's like in a relationship, I hope that like, I guess you told me, Tanisha, in a previous episode that Cinder does come to terms, come to terms with her being a cyborg and Kaida's accept it for her. But I just... That happens with a lot of drama, though. You you get the, you know, you get the team. Uh, yeah, you get the team. But yeah, but like, yeah, it doesn't matter what the drama is. It matters what comes after the drama. If the drama leads to something peaceful, it is okay, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. If if the end result is well, then it's all well. Yeah. End well is all. Ah. Well. So uh, I hope Cinder does come to terms with her being a cyborg and the fact that Kai may love her even if she is a cyborg. With that hope in mind, I continue with my chapter. So, uh, immediately, like being a reasonable person, Kai immediately asks Dr. Erland what the hell happened to Cinder. When the scientist freaks goes on to lying about stuff one after another, like he doesn't tell him that Cinder is a cyborg. I mean, I don't get the reason why. I mean, okay, continuing with my conspiracy theory that Cinder is, a, is, is Celine, continuing with that, I mean, 
even if she is Celine and Prince Kai is going to marry Celine and if Dr. Erland knows and he is a lunar, then there's some kind of drama for which he doesn't want to expose Cinder, maybe that she is Celine and she is a cyborg, maybe that's the whole point. Okay, I got to, I got a confession. So I thought Dr. Erland was a villain character. I mean, he was an evil character. That's what my first impressions of him were. At this point, I kind of know, I mean, not know, but I get the indications that he is not from your saying, Sanisha, like the way you, okay, anyways, you didn't spoil it for me, okay. but I guessed, I did guess he is kind of bad, kind of good, like, but he is good for Cinder. So, uh, I'm not exactly, to- yeah, we don't yeah. get to call anybody completely good or completely bad, you know, mm. it depends on whose perspective we are seeing that person from yeah so i guess so he, yeah he he's in bad like he isn't good good but he's in bad so he's in good know? good but he's in bad bad so he's good bad <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> exactly uh dr allen doesn't expose cinder but at the same time something which is most striking to me like he doesn't say that he might have a possible remedy to the worldwide pandemic that's going on like he doesn't say that to kai and he just lets that information remain within himself and cinder and cinder doesn't expose doctor i mean doesn't burst his bubble because she is kind of also hoping that the prince doesn't get to know that she is cyborg and like i guess that's the whole mentality here but yeah i'm kind of reading between the lines but Still, the doctor basically no, does. I think I think you are on the right track. I hope. I yeah. I do think you are on the right track. So the doctor doesn't expose her. She doesn't burst his bubble, and so Kai doesn't know two secrets that we, the readers, know. Poor Kai. I feel so sorry for him. Oh. Yeah, literally. If you ever, you know, go to Instagram and uh, float through the you know fan pages of Lunar Chronicles, you would see that. There is a very popular meme in the Lunar Chronicles world that says, on a level of one to Kai, how confused are you? Oh, that, that's so ingenious. Oh, that oh, that was so nice. Ah, I, Okay, you got to send me some uh, fan arts, you know, like. Ah, ah exactly. I, I would do that. I would do that very soon. Yeah. So, so. So meanwhile, as Kai doesn't get to know anything about what's going on, Kai helps her to stand up and Cinder, in a more Cinder way, is getting all giddied up and like butterflies in stomachish moment. Like, mm. uh, it, it's, 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 it's a very teen thing. I don't, I don't blame her. She's 18 and she's with the 18, she's 16 and she's hanging out with the 18 year old prince. Just think about what anybody would. Well, yeah, that 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 does kind of make sense. I mean, it it does it does it does make sense actually. But yeah, I mean, okay, would you be uncomfortable or would you get giddied up? That's the point that I'm pointing out. Like, maybe he's handsome, but still, like, but but ah, okay. Okay, okay. If you talk about that in real the uh, scenarios of real life and any YA book, actually, are very different. 
So in most cases in real life, if you get to know a person, you would try to you know hang out with that person for a while before actually having any deep connection. But as uh, it seems to be a trend in any kind of fire fiction, there is always this thing that they are destined to be together or anything is kind of playing out in the background. So yeah, when you point it out like that, I do realize that maybe in real life it would be creepy. Definitely it would be creepy for you know a boy you don't really know to kind of hold you in his arms that 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 is creepy but i don't know like uh, somehow it got so much romanticized in via novels that at this point it doesn't even but can i say strike a nerve it just uh... seems normal but it is not normal you did pick out a very interesting thing it is not normal it is not like it is a thing that if you do that to anybody that would be normal Hey, I feel Hi. good. I'm being beneficial to the society out there. Yeah, I feel so great. There, <laughs> um, there. She, he basically asks the doctor the what the hell was happening, and the doctor says they were just practicing, like he was practicing chiropractic on her. And when, he, and when he asks Cinder what she was doing there, again, Doctor Erland for. Like answers for her and says that she was there to uh, get her report on the medroid that was mishappening, uh, m- malfunctioning, and like, I mean, that's just okay because she's a mechanic. She was brought here. Okay. And, about, uh, about this, uh, for some reason, I don't know. I always thought at this point that uh, Doctor Arnold. Uh, it is never really explained, but he must have had you know really deep roots in this entire system because he, uh, for some reason, he knows that Kai must know that Cinder is a mother, and he has no reason to know, but he somehow knows. And I just always found that particular thing jarring because you know Prince Kai did hide and go, so this also kind of uh, shows that probably hide you know Kai's hiding wasn't that effective or something. I just don't yeah. know. It just always bothered me. That also makes sense. Yeah. The how the hell Erland knew that Prince Kai knew that Cinder was a mechanic. That's true. Anywho, so uh, Sky is lied to two times. Cinder's lie detector goes off two times. And then Kai offers her to lead her. Like, I don't get this chivalry part. Okay. What are your views on Tanisha? <laughs> what are your views on Tanisha? Which are my views on myself? Oh no. I am a crazy, batshit crazy person. <laughs> oh no. Okay. okay. I think I'm crazy. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Uh, what are your views on chivalry, Tanisha? I would say that I wouldn't have found any problem in it if it was something that was common in both genders, but somehow chivalry is associated with a man being nice. And I don't know why it is only associated with a man being nice. Like, you know, a chivalry would be okay if it is about a person, you know, like giving a chocolate to another person or whatever. It can happen both ways, but sometimes it is weird things like you know not letting the woman pay in a restaurant or something that just makes it seem like the other person who is doing their job more capable than the other person and i 
absolutely agree that a lot of people might not feel like that. And if you want to pay for the other person and that person is happy, it is okay, it is cool. But I really think it is not a must. Being a chivalrous person is good, but the general conception of chivalry, that is not good, I think. Well, that that's actually a better explanation that I could have given. Uh, my views on chivalry is just it's optional. It's never compulsory. And it's if you don't like, you know, if you don't open the door for a lady and if you are a man, like if in those cases and if you are not chivalrous, it doesn't mean you are a bad person. You can also like you don't have to exactly. show chivalry in a chivalrous way. You can just be a nice person and like wish someone good morning, good night and thank you and please and just you know being polite it does not come in hand to hand with chivalry it's just separate two things and i guess being polite it should be treated as compulsory it's never is compulsory but being polite being a nice to another person should be like appreciated but chivalry i don't think should be appreciated okay chivalry is not exactly just you know pulling chairs or opening the door or whatever it is being nice it is being polite what i'm talking about is the you know uh, the physical examples of being chivalrous isn't really something that should be very gender specific exactly that's you know what I mean. that's exactly that's what i said you explained it better than me and so the same thing that <laughs> that's happens. not true but whatever <laughs> Yeah, but like, that's the same thing that happens here. Kai says, okay, I'm going to lead you towards the door. As if Cinder can't see the door. Like, anyways, so, I mean, it would make sense if Kai left the chamber along with Cinder. He doesn't. I mean, that's the whole point. If you are going to leave the chamber and you open the door, I guess it's okay. And then you leave after the lady if whatever you call a female person but <laughs> but <laughs> yeah but he doesn't he just anyways so uh, when kai offers cinder that he will see her out cinder is like no 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 i uh, you should ha- have some very dot dot royal dot dot government dot dot research things to discuss but thank you your highness and like i okay uh, I felt like these tiny things, the YA things that Marissa incorporated into her story was cringy at first, but it's kind of growing on me. And I'm feeling like, I mean, it's still not relatable, but like, I feel it's, it has a certain Taylor Swift vibes of sweetness to it. It, Definitely. It's still a little bit of corny, but it's pleasurable at some level. I mean, it's debatable. Still, it's it's kind of sweet. I mean, what happens? Yeah. Honestly, if you if you yeah, if you uh, read a lot of my books, you would see that most uh, characters uh, have a tendency of stammering in front of people, uh, like being really speaking really slowly in front of you know people who are their pretend potential matches or whatever. But uh, I think that is not really that real in real life. Have you ever seen any of your friends speak to any of their crushes? Like being in the bo- having the bird's eye view would give you, you know, the perspective. Have you seen that? I have a first 
had experience of that but that may be a little dramatized thing on a part of a person but yeah i i don't think that's that normal i definitely don't think that can be generalized uh, i mean uh, pe- people uh, generally either talk a little too maniacally or a little too slow or whatever <laughs> yeah. they are talking to yeah you know they either speak way too much or way too less uh, they yeah. don't act like their normal selves i exactly. i know that so yeah i that is the reason i didn't think that that was that bad like everybody has weird you know hormonal reactions to their crushes so as uh cinder does stumble across her words kai helps him out it helps her <laughs> helps her out and um <laughs> so uh, okay i would like to quote this from the book uh well it was nice to see you again a pleasant surprise she laughed ironically surprised to find his expression serious his eyes warm upon her and a little curious y- you too she backed out the door smiling trembling praying there was no grease spots on her face <laughs> i'll come you then when your android is ready this love that oh okay the reputation of the fact that she is so insecure that there would be some grease spots on her face and it just reminds me of eco and it makes me so much happier ah, i love that ah. mm. <laughs> but here's the thing that happens which is to me the best part of this whole chapter so basically when uh sender is leaving and like the door is going to close she's basically uh, the kai basically says thank you lin may which may as for as i know as i googled it's basically like the chinese form of saying miss miss lin miss so, miss yeah, yeah. So Lin May, thank you, Lin May. That's what Kai says, and Cinder <laughs> tries to say, "You can call me Sin," and the door shuts, and that is complete dar. Cinder, Cinder would be fine, Your Highness, and then she just turned, she just stormed across the hall and like turned, and then she is like <laughs> basically storming out of the hallway, and she's just murmuring to herself, "I'll calm you. You can call me Cinder. What the hell? Don't mind the babbling girl." Ah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, because uh, mm. ha, Cinder, entire thing about Cinder is she doesn't want to be one of those, you know, one of those people who just look at Kai and are like, "Oh my God, it's ah. the prince! I will fall upon my knees." She has that entire thing inside her head that I will not become that person. So she kind of just wanted to punch herself when she was becoming that person. I mean, that actually makes sense. I mean, yeah, it's it. Oh my god. I with that one sentence I can relate to Cinder so much more. <laughs> But yeah. Okay. So entering into our next chapter that is chapter 15. Cinder as we discussed has left the chamber of chamber or say lab of Dr. Erland and now she decides like she comes up with a plan of her own. And she basically goes back to the apartment of Audrey Audrey and Pearl obviously when they see Cinder they are like struck like what the hell are you doing here how come you are here how come are you are not dead i mean how can you be living i mean i know that it's cruel on Audrey's part but i'm just find this so much funnier like 
I'm just so sick of being sad at this point. I just find this so funny. No, oh. uh, you know what? Uh, like uh, Sanjay did hate uh, Adri or whatever, but there is a part later in one of the later books where it 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 comes out that she actually still wanted, you know. Adri's affection or something because she was the only you know adult figure in her life for the most uh. part. So she did seek her work. She did seek like even after she you know works out of that place or whatever. She did seek her warmth, her affection, or whatever, and she did want to know what she did wrong that Adri hated her so much. Oh and I just don't know. That is just hmm, that is just sad. Everything is sad. Oh no! Oh no! My emotions just took a complete one eighty. <laughs> oh no! Ah. Like I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't stand you being happy for me. Yeah, but you were so. It just didn't sit well with you, did it? <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, obviously, Audrey and Pearl are surprised, and basically, Cinder immediately starts yelling at Audrey and like. they just exchange facts that she is alive she is doing this draft thing and they're going to be stuff and while they are yelling out comes eco from the kitchen and ah the reunion eco is super happy like it's shown by her sensor uh, lights and stuff and it's just ah. <laughs> so sender somehow manages not to spill the tea about the payment she is going to receive from volunteering and Meanwhile, she basically like when she yells with Adri and uh, like there was a bit of argument and stuff. She basically points Eco to come out with her, and Eco leaves the apartment along with her. And like basically they reunite, and I just find that moment so sweet. Like Cinder and Eco, the best buddies, reunited. And ah, uh, I mean, okay, the moment when Cinder was being taken out of the house, and the fact. Eco was basically uh, an android who was supposed to be like who was owned by Adri legally, like, and Eco didn't have a choice but to stay in the apartment while Cinder was dragged away unconscious by the midroids uh, a few chapters back. I mean, come like thinking of Eco's emotions, I can't even like. It's just. Ah, oh, that was so cruel on Eco. I just, ah, uh, even though she's an android, she is an android. But I, at this point, I do feel like even though she is an android, she has all the human emotions. She is very much capable of feeling every single human emotions, and so I feel so much sorry for she her. She is. She is. This also has a story. You would know everything. I don't know why. Marisa did it, but she kind of just set up in the entire first two books like a prolonged prologue, you know, prolonged uh, prologue, and all uh, the action kind of uh, sets into motion in the third book. It is like uh, a lot of things are happening in the first two books, but none of those are you know the core things that will happen. Nice. That's that's. I mean, is it just a specific thing about eco? I mean, like. Her specifically, or is it all the androids have these human emotions? Uh, no, 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 no. It it is not like that. But okay, I I won't like to elaborate on this because there are things going on, and 
you would have to you know gradually look them i if i uh, tell that to you it will spoil a big deal so okay don't spoil it for I'm me i'm not going to no 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 spoil i won't do that uh, come on okay so back to the story uh eco is reunited with sender we are happy and now they together <laughs> go to this the workshop storeroom area of cinders again where if i remember correctly there lies prince kai's android 9c along with cinders exactly. toolbox yeah <laughs> so yeah. Wh- while she's like busy collecting 9c from the table and stuff she notices something at the corner of the room i mean the atmosphere just my voice and the room and the complete podcast episode that atmosphere changes and it takes a gloomy undertone because there lies peony's dress that she was wearing on the last dress she was wearing and it just uh i uh, my heart again ah. broke with peony ah uh, i mean okay the explanation that eco gives <laughs> that's just way more that makes it way more sadder like okay eco says that she couldn't bring herself up to throw away the dress because that was the last memory of peony that remained with her the fact that i mean it's logical that adria and pearl would like to live their lives and not preserve the memory of peony but at the same time because they are their closest relatives maybe you would think that they would find or at least try to preserve one memory in some sort of way i mean i can't blame them because it's a worldwide pandemic and which no one survives from but somehow eco gets more humane i see eco as the more human character in this scenario i mean yeah yeah you know what uh, there is a term called hoping against hope and as uh-huh. much as it sounds very foolish i think every person at least every you know emotional fool does that and uh, when you don't do that i don't know why but in my head if somebody doesn't have the capability of hoping against hope they just become a little less human uh this 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 yeah. i don't know i mean in my head i feel like eco when uh, she like put the dress in that corner of the room i mean this is what i feel like eco felt that some day the thing she just hoped against hope that somehow maybe yeah. peony would return and she would get that dress on her body and she would go to the ball and dance her hearts out i just ah the fun soul i can't i can't let her die i mean the fun will evaporate from this world ah i can't that's just ah. <laughs> anyways why do we mourn the same person i can't uh, <sighs> Okay. <laughs> I need to move on from Peony. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We need to move on from Peony. So the dress was there. Sandra saw that and she she did appreciate Eco for that and when the when Eco came to know about that Sandra is going to have a dress. Now here's the point where Eco turns the room in the atmosphere a little less gloomy. 
she thinks spending cinder's money over a dress and going to the ball would be great and literally eco i mean i love this idea that eco just suggests that whatever money you get from the whole cyborg draft thing like risking your life which probably could have end up in your death you just use the money to get this dress and you go to the ball and dance we can do that i mean you would look so cool <laughs> that's it yeah, that's so eco yeah yeah i mean i i do understand where she's coming from because uh, she is uh, what he would call a very girly girl though she's a, a machine she's an android but she's what you would call a very girly girl and if somebody wants you know dresses and things and good stuff like that in life i think everybody should have their chance at happiness and uh, yeah. we all perceive happiness through this window you know like there is a big room and we all see outside through different windows and the way we perceive happiness is a different window so both of them are looking at happiness for sender happiness is uh, you know economic stability it is having her own freedom but for eco the happiness is having a lot of pleasures going to ball and stuff so they are looking at the same happiness but through different windows and since eco is looking through a certain window she is thinking that maybe maybe everybody looks uh, through this very window that is the reason she uh, just wants sender to be happy also yeah. like we should all accept people for having these different windows i mean there could be thousands of windows in a house but every window counts and that's what makes the world yeah. more beautiful yeah like every window makes you a little less suffocated it right? ah yes ah yes so um Cindy says no. I mean, she doesn't agree with because, as you said, uh, to her financial stability and gaining her freedom makes more sense. And says that she's planning on repairing the royal android as well as the car that she had discovered in the junkyard to get away. Here's the chapter ends, but I have a small question: Where to? I mean, where does she planning on escaping? Like. I get it that she wants to escape from Audrey, but does she want to escape the land? Does she want to escape the country? Does she want to escape to Luna? What what what's going on? Uh, uh, no 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 no. She never planned on escaping to Luna. She did a plan on escaping, you know, the new Beijing part. Uh, she just wanted to get away from Audrey. She didn't have a plan herself. And you would uh, learn that Cinder is more impulsive than can. calculative so it was just another yeah. impulsive decision on her part uh makes more sense yeah so moving on to chapter 16 so the emperor that is emperor rikan passes away on this chapter uh, i mean the chapter already starts in a gloomy tone but yeah prince kai when he hears this news he basically i mean it's kind of so sad and yet so logical like when he heard the news he literally runs from his bedroom in the 16th floor of the palace to the quarantine wing which is like literally outside the, in the outskirts of the palace it's like they selected this certain wing in the most distant areas of the palace and i mean he basically was he was so overwhelmed to hear the, i mean for good reasons da your your yeah, your dad he, passed away he, but yeah so when he reaches the quarantine wing not just that you know it is 
not just the fact yeah losing a parent is probably the biggest shock in this entire thing but he also has to be the parent to what like every citizen for ah. in the entire eastern commonwealth so yeah exactly there is also mm. mourning for a father and also mourning for himself he has to mourn both of those people at the same time he has to mourn for his own childhood Ah. Ah, exactly. Ah. Okay. So when he reaches the quarantine wing, he meets Torin. Now, Torin again, the royal advisor guy. He suggests to set up a press conference, and when he does that, it dawns upon Kai how his life is going to change. I mean, at eighteen, he's going to be the emperor of the entire Eastern Commonwealth, which. again mm-hmm. i guess the, is the whole of asia i mean <laughs> wow <laughs> ah okay so meanwhile that happens i mean you would think this would be the climax of this episode i mean it's already so heavy death of the emperor the 18 year old boy becomes the emperor of an entire continent but no 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 marisa decides there is yet to come and so meanwhile like when this all this melodramatic things are happening suddenly a screen pings and notifies that queen levana has calmed him now again calming this is where we first like see this practical use of calms which we were listening about from the first episode i guess the calm c o w m it's I mean, it's almost like a mail, but I guess it's more like a voice mail. It's a video message in the form of an email, which I mean, uh, that's actually what I perceive as calm is something that is that can be text, that can be a voice message, or that can be a video, uh, you know, message. It can be all the three. So because uh, we mm. see that in different parts of the story, that uh, calm is all of those three things. You can use it. Uh, whatever you wave you want, and you know there are this post screen or net screen kind of things, so you get the calm there. Ah, so you can get the calm both in the both in the net screens and the post screens. Post screens, yeah. Nice post screens. I guess are the phones, and net screens are the TVs. I think so because they people carry them around. So I hope they are phones. Ah, uh-huh. nice. So this evil queen of Luna, this lunatic queen, if you may, she comes, <laughs> she comes him, and informs that she's going to arrive on Earth. I mean, she's literally like, not even what fifteen minutes have passed that the emperor has passed away, and she has received the news of his demise, and already. she like sends this com which begins in condolences for emperor rikan and by the way i'm going to arrive tomorrow me being the evil queen from luna who is going to conquer the entire earth and has the power to do so uh, never mind see you later also the fact that i want to marry you an 18 year old boy who has just lost his fa- father nice. and you thought arnold was creepy oh man <laughs> <laughs> oh, ah, yeah, and I thought Arnold was creepy. Ah, my judging capabilities are downhill. Ah, ah, no, not only that. Uh, okay. Uh, can I can I say one small thing about the queen? 
I sure. don't know. Like, I'm all ears about uh, Nirvana. Yeah, something. I, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but it is just a small thing that it's clear that she was married before because she has a stepdaughter, and you mm-hmm. can't have a stepdaughter without marrying. So I mean, you uh, can, you but know, uh, yeah. How will I have a stepdaughter? I mean, it have to be the daughter. Okay, his, okay, know, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. It can't be a stepdaughter. You can have you a can foster have a... daughter, or you can have a biological daughter, but you cannot have a stepdaughter. Sure, that. sure, that makes sense. So, yeah. Aha. So there is this, you know, uh, lunars can create this delusion kind of thing. We all know that at this point. So uh, she, uh, she always wears this delusion of her, but she makes a delusion in her ring finger, and she still wears the her marriage ring, but she makes it makes the delusion look like she's not wearing it. And I just don't know for some reason. This uh, I hate her, but I am still sad for her. You know, like that is just a strange thing. Like when uh, some somebody passes away, mm. it is more acceptable to uh, let go of the ring or something. Like it is acceptable. I think people do that, but she can't. But she has to uh, look strong and whatever, like her image and all that. So she can't really wear that around and let her come out as a softie or something. So she makes the delusion look like she is not valid to me. I don't know. I just wanted to mention that. Uh-huh. So when I was going to start bitching about Queen Livana, you just entered with uh, this whole new trivia about her being this, there being an, uh, this soft corner about her, which it's frustrating how i can't but she's still her. horrible but she's still horrible yeah she's I mean, still horrible still i mean it's literally like need jacobs uh, as i said like she's he's the worst person but he has his reasons and he has his own soft side that's the same with Levana. Who, who okay. is this guy by the way i mentioned it in the previous episodes and you have not seen because you my child do not watch any series so <laughs> nate jacobs is the <laughs> don't look so sorry you are not sorry i know that <laughs> uh... <laughs> you are the younger kid out here i sometimes oh forget. whatever oh whatever ah, ah. <laughs> so nate jacobs is uh the evil character it's not an evil but okay mostly the antagonistic character of the I guess it's a TV series. Yeah, it's a TV series. The Euphoria. I mean, it's a big part of oh, the popular oh, culture. Yeah, you were talking about it. Now that yeah. you say, you were talking about it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm into you. <laughs> so, um, two facts that this chapter culminates in and leaves me with uh, that. So, okay. There was this mention of this word called glamour about Levana, which doesn't work in this through the comms and through screens, which definitely I don't I don't think I exactly know what it is. I mean, I do have the idea because I have read up till a point in this book. But still, like, I guess we'll have to wait for that chapter to come up. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, this glamours don't work. And also the Torin Torin, the fact that Torin mentions that they have to take down the mirrors. That's an interesting thing. I know nothing about that, but I guess if I ask you to explain, uh, it, it would be a spoiler. Let me, let me tell you, okay, one little thing. 
I already told you that lunars have uh, something called manipulation of bioelectricity, mm-hmm. which is basically making you think or see things that isn't really there. Uh-huh. So uh, what this glamour thing is because, you know, most lunars, when they use their powers, they just become very, very, very beautiful, like unnaturally beautiful. And it is not exactly they become somebody else. They start like, I won't start looking like Megan Fox if I use it. What would happen? Uh, everything, you know, everything just smoothens up. Everything just starts getting, you know, everybody with every bone shape, there can be a perfect face. That is exactly I mean, what happens. Like they look like themselves, but like the absolute perfection of themselves. So basically it's Photoshop in life. Yeah, but even stronger. I mean, and it is accompanied with this, uh, you know, aura that they create. But when anybody mm-hmm. is using glamour, you cannot help but look at them and all. And uh, they can manipulate uh... you if they want, anytime. And the thing about glamour is those are optical illusions and powers. They play with your, you know, they, those are games they play with your mind. So you have to be in the periphery to do that. You cannot create an optical illusion somewhere else. That is the same thing about mirrors. If you look at the mirror, you would see the real D and you would no uh, longer be manipulated. So, yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that, but I guess I I don't know whether I should or not. But anyways, so in the reared inverse, there's this certain thing. It's kind of similar. It's not quite. It's like this. I mean, it's not in the Magnus Chronicles that we are discussing. But it's more in the Percy Jackson and the Heroes of Olympus series. So there's this ability of certain people, uh, which is called charm speak. It's the ability of uh, speaking in a certain way with this certain power in your voice that would make things happen. That will make people do what you want. It's uh, that can make things happen. It can even, and if your charm speak is strong enough, it can bring the dead back from life. (laughs) Did I just say bring the dead back from life? (laughs) Okay. This is the second time you messed up with death. Ah. (laughs) Ah. Asriel being really bad with me. That was a bad joke. Uh, Anyways. No, Asriel, yeah. Okay. So, so uh, they can, if, if their charm speak is powerful enough, they can even make inanimate objects do stuff that they want. So, I mean, it's oh, kind of... Oh. Uh, that's, that's, that's more powerful. That's more that's powerful. More that's, powerful. It, that's exactly, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess. Rather here, it is more like, uh, you know, your powers depend on how many people you can control at the same time. Like, if you are more powerful, uh, you can control, like hundreds of people at the same time if you're less powerful you can control like three or four yeah it's the same thing uh with charm speak too it's the same thing it's just that larger the size larger the it's totally depends on your willpower and it also depends on the divine part that is within your blood but yeah i mean it's a complete rare here also the blood things the blood king plays an important part that uh, uh okay okay no that would be spoiling i won't talk about it <laughs> the way we are avoiding spoilers though ah okay yeah 
So with that, we come to the end of chapter 16. And now we enter into chapter 17. We again leave the perspective of Kai and we start the story with Cinder as our center. So as Cinder is sleeping, she is, I mean, apparently she's back in the apartment and she's back in her room uh, in Audrey's apartment and she's sleeping. I mean, I don't know how the hell she's sleeping in the same apartment with Audrey because if I was Cinder, I mean, I couldn't sleep in the same apartment with the person who tried to send me to this suicide mission. I, I couldn't, I couldn't. I, it, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, like I said, even after all this happens, Cinder goes back to Audrey time and time uh, again to sleep yeah. for the thing. So it's like she, you know, like like I said, hoping against hope. She's hoping that someday maybe <sighs> Audrey will accept her. Maybe she will see that she's not bad. Like she hates Audrey, but at the same time, she wants Audrey to love her. Does that even make any sense? But I, I still understand. Like it, it is not something that makes a lot of sense. But somehow, I, mean, I don't know. Why won't that make sense? It's humane. It's completely human. I mean, yeah, we like, hate uh, people. It, it is clear that she knows. doesn't love her anymore. Like, or maybe she does. Maybe she loves and hates her. Who knows? Huh. I'm confused. <laughs> well, I don't think Audrey loves Cinder at all. But yeah. No, she doesn't. She doesn't. <laughs> a horrible She's woman. like a B.I.G. something. <laughs> oh, ah, I love the way you frame those. Ah, ah, I love it. So, okay. So back to Cinder is sleeping. And while she's sleeping. Okay. Another thing, the way her mind works, even when she's asleep. I mean, the way her cyborg parts function. It's just fascinating. Ah. So when she's sleeping, a calm reaches her brain and she like she, her subconscious reads that like it, it's like a floating line that crosses her mind. And I mean, she, she kind of catches it. She kind of doesn't. But when she translates the meaning, her like she wakes up and when she reads the calm carefully, she notices that. I mean, it's not at all the way we started this chapter. It's not nothing joyful. It's quite the opposite. That Peony has entered the third stage of letumosis. So back with the sadness with Peony thing. I mean, I just can't. Peony, uh, she's the fun of the soul. She's the soul of fun. But yeah. So she woke up and decided to leave the apartment alone calmed her over and gave it the quarantine's coordinates which apparently every person knows I don't know how the hell I mean if you don't want people to know about go near the quarantines which is expressed in the little uh, later on that people are not supposed to go into the quarantines then why would they know about the coordinates of the quarantine I mean so that they don't go there by any chance Ah, that makes more sense. Oh, nice. Yeah, that actually makes more sense. Yeah. Cinder is using this the opportunities. Yeah. The opposite exactly way. Yeah. Opposite. Ah, okay. Because she can't catch it. I mean, nobody would like to, you know, go to that place because they would definitely die if they go to that place. But Cinder yeah. knows she can't die, so she just goes. That's, I mean, yeah. It's almost like a person who is uh, immune to getting burned 
walking through fire thing it's almost similar to that <laughs> floating in yeah, magma madness. yeah madness. Just, for some reason magnus and magma also sound the same though his name means greatness they just sound yeah. like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so the quarantine center is nothing like what we observed in the last few months it's way gloomier way unhealthy and way mechanized and it's just it uh, uh, it's it's so it's, it looks more like a morgue than a quarantine center oh my god yes it's 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 literally it's like it's shady sunlight don't enter that place i mean i'm a person who hates sunlight but anyways um <laughs> this is a shady place this is a cold place people are dying people who are in uh i mean like there maybe people who are in the stage 1 of lethumosis and on the adjacent bed there are people who are in stage 4 of lethumosis on the verge of death and they can hear the cries and pains of the oh, people dying and the person who is who i mean i can't i can't possibly explain how what would go through the minds of those patients lying in the bed ah oh, it's just it's just so sad ah anyways so sena goes into this area i mean well there's an interesting thing that happens when she tries to go inside there are some medroids which block away and says that no person is allowed who is not a patient is not allowed to go inside there and she says that she is a patient to which the medroids apparently who when i mean it's quite logical that no one would program the medroids in a way that any healthy person would enter the quarantines because any person with normal conscience would not go inside because they would have the fear for death right so no one did program the medrise mm-hmm. in that way and so the medrise just let her in and that was just a smooth move and it was more like luck for cinder but yeah that was such a smooth thing so cinder goes in she notices all this gloomy worst atmosphere and amongst that she finds peony <laughs> i mean ah and the first thing that peony asks is to be taken home i mean it ah i can't i ah okay yeah, let me yeah. just let me just say this i when we uh, submitted the podcast to spotify i included the personal stories tag so here goes a personal story so i was admitted in the hospital for like one week or something in my life so i have a pretty good amount of trauma from that i mean i had a severe case of asthmatic problems and stuff so i mean the things got pretty serious and so i was in the hospital for one week and then i suffered for three months in my bed in my home and then i got better but when i was in the hospital the thing was not only that i was sick also at the same time the fact that i was in a hospital and this is where people come when they are sick and people around me I, i was in the pediatric i was in the pediatric ward and around me there were sick children who are literally they are not smiling throughout the day because they are sick and and it i don't know the 
the energy reflects into you and it just starts to kill the joy within you and once the joy is gone it's kind of hard to survive on the skeleton of what's remaining because i mean i don't know it's it's just so hard i mean the fact that you can develop a disease and again uh, recover from that that's easier but recovering from no joy to filling up your battery of joyfulness that's way too harder i swear <laughs> i have the first hand experience so yeah pioneer oh is completely pioneer ran out of a joyometer yeah so And especially when you know uh, people come to meet somebody in the hospital it's still okay you still have something to hold on to right they don't even have that much ah uh, yeah that's like ah uh, yeah i mean i feel this is something where i feel uh, peony at least had this luck i mean if she passes away i i guess she does because i mean <laughs> the story quite indicates that she is going to pass away but even if she does at least she gets to see cinder in one of her last days which most of the people can't and she gets to talk to her she gets to i mean she can converse with her and in the back of her mind at least she can remember that i got to talk to one of my most loved ones which most of the people can't But is that enough though is that really ever enough i don't think it's ever so enough it's never enough but like not just not just when you are 14 and dying is it ever oh, enough oh no ever, actually uh, i can't i can't even i can't even think i mean the age really doesn't matter here but the fact that she's just 14 and she's dying i can't i just I completely keep on forgetting their ages. I seriously, Cinder being sixteen and Peony being fourteen. I I can't. I can't. No, she's not fourteen. She's forty. She's forty. She's forty. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> so, Cinder gives Peony yeah, this. Tonight. <laughs> so Cinder gives Peony this blanket and tells her that. i mean she kind of tells her yeah she does tell her that she is immune and they would make the antidote soon with her help which i mean peony doesn't really have a reaction like she feels confused more than happy or thoughtful or enthusiastic about it but enthused about it but yeah i mean da when you are in such a quarantine center you can't expect anything more positive from a person uh with making the promise of fixing peony's sports screen and bringing it to her cinder turns to leave so just as cinder was about to exit exit i mean she was about to exit the whole quarantine center when a voice calls her and she turns she doesn't quite understand or she doesn't quite re- realize who that person is but when she kind of stares at her and looks through this image that the blue fever has had on her 
she understands that it's Chang Sasha, the first person we were introduced other than Cinder in the whole book. The person we hated at the first page, and then we felt sorry for in third page, and ah, she's back, but for a very small time because she asks for her son. I mean, the fact that she asks oh for her God. son, and I mean, ah, oh, that ah, exactly ah, ah, I don't know. I mean, ah. Uh, when she had this, I mean, it's just quite visible the tool that this whole disease has had on her because when she was first diagnosed with this disease, right? I mean, when the disease showed symptoms, she was the first person who asked Sunto to be to get away from her. And like when a person tried to pull away her son from her, she definitely gave her consent to that person and now the mental tool that has been taken on her she has been drawn to such a verge that she can't even think logically i i can't ah that that literally hurts that that literally hurts i want to tell you something so badly but i can't and somehow that is hurting me even more just read quickly okay you're going to know something else but uh, i don't know like i, I can i tell one small thing it is going to come up in the next couple chapters so you know what keep it to yourself don't give any spoilers i can't with any spoilers ah uh, no if it hurts <laughs> it's it has to hurt more but i can't the spoilers no spoilers <laughs> okay so i mean she asks for her son and moments after the life and leaves her body i mean that was if not the sadder part then the saddest part i can't even like she asks for her son cinder tries to comprehend that sentence and before she could even reply chang sasha is no more chang sasha she is just a body and she is going to be treated like that I, <laughs> when you tell it like that <sighs> it just becomes more real i mean that's how the world works that's not how emotions work definitely that's not how relationships work that it's reality i have seen some deaths it's in my family life works right? exactly that's that's how life works ah oh. Look at us mourning a person who we don't know, who we are just reading through lines and getting to know. I mean, who, who we who we read for you know like one minute. If you add all those things up, like maybe ten uh, sentences about yeah, maximum feeling such deep emotions as if we had known them for years. <sighs> and this is the cruelest. Don't part. be so gloomy. I wanna cry now. Okay, so oh, okay, <laughs> don't be so gloomy. I mean, okay. Let's turn our gloom into anger because something quite cruel and injustice, unjust is going to happen. I mean, ugh, I can't with this. Okay. So, oh, oh boy. Ah, I, you get it. Why? Ah, okay. Yeah. Moments later, when Chang Sasha has passed away, a medroid appears. I mean. Cinder is there, shook, standing there because she just saw a soul leave the body, and this medroid comes. I mean, da, it's a machine, but still, but like, 
So this Madrid comes. Trigger warning. No, it is the fact. It is the fact that somebody programmed those machines to do that. That is what oh. bothers me more than what the machine uh, does. So trigger warning for anyone who has difficulty with imagery of blood. So something's gonna come up. <laughs> uh, the Amadrid appears. It casually cuts open her palm and extracts the ID chip from her muscle or inside her veins. I, I, oh my, oh my God. Ah, I'm, I can't. It's, it's the identity of a person. It's what was left of a person when the life exited their body. That's, that was the ID chip. That's, that what was left of, that was the identification of the person that, you can't steal the identity of a person when that person is no more present. I mean, I I don't even want to comment about it because again, like you told, anything saying anything would be given spoilers at this point. So uh, I can't. Uh. This is not this is not just disrespecting a person. There's so much more than that. You would understand eventually, but I I don't want to spoil. It's still you would yeah. eventually understand in the next few chapters only. But still, like the person, like, as you said, the person who had programmed these Medroids, like, wow, what a human, humane human being you had. You should to... get the Nobel Peace. You should, should get the Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Such a wonderful person. And like, also another thing, I mean, I had to, okay. When the Medroid was going to operate its wonderful holy rituals uh, Cinder stopped the Medroid and Midway because she was like whoa 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 what the hell are you doing how can you do this this is insane and the Medroid replied in a mechanical voice I have been programmed to follow instructions I mean I swear that's 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 okay the first time I read it it definitely made me so much angry but at the same time, I don't know why or how or is it just my teen angst or something. But it just screamed our it is functional. Not. It is not. It is you being human. <laughs> it's no. This sentence screamed our about our dysfunctional education system to me. I have been programmed to follow instructions. That's what it seems to oh. me. Oh, I, I oh. I mean, that's a weird plug, but. Yeah, it's that. That's what no, it is. But it makes sense. It makes sense, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing sense. left of emotions. You don't think about practicality or being humane about anything. You just all that you care about is what's the tradition of getting marks and how to score a certain percentage so that you get a better job and stuff. And that's how you lead your life. And there's literally no other way the world would work. I mean, literally no other way. It it sucks. The world sucks in both. Let me uh, tell you a very, very small example, of, uh, like a small experience of mine. So, uh, I was in class nine back then and uh, we used to go to this math station and uh, after, you know, uh, in this room, we used to study uh, with the students of class nine used to study and in the other room, students of uh, class five used to study. So they are like little kids, right? Uh, so mm. when we got out, uh, me and a friend of mine uh, used to work together and uh, there were these two little kids who used to work together with, with us. And 
one of the though that one of those kids was very you know like you know goofy and things like that so one day yeah one day we were talking about like marks and stuff like that and so one of those kids just uh, blurted out come on you 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 didn't score that much it is a mark oriented marks oriented country so how would you even do anything and it's a 9 year old kid speaking oh, and just no. think how deep rooted that is that a 9 year old is calling our country marks oriented oh how man. deeply rooted that is and ah uh. was just like yeah but you can be a cricketer and you can be a painter or whatever and uh he just told me that uh, okay but uh, the a country of uh, so many people has only 11 cricketers who play national level so oh oh man oh man <laughs> that was a 9 year old kid who <sighs> you know who just went around uh, kicking people because he liked kicking people and that kid said those things i so, mean that kid is a genius that kid has to go into stand up comedy or something like that's real that's that's so true though like oh my god but yeah again like when you are in, say if you are in some art field artistic fields you don't need the marks you, all you need is your expertise in a certain field that's that's expertise or maybe talent that's what you need and practice talent skill whatever something yeah. that makes people connect to you right Marks, but that is the thing we, we are so we are so used to you know i i uh, would like to tell one thing that uh, you have seen uh, i guess everybody has seen reality tv shows you know where people sing and dance and stuff and somehow judges give them marks too and I just don't uh, know. Oh no. I always oh, felt no. that this is belittling art. I never talked about it before because okay, they are experts. They would know better than me, of course, duh. But it just seemed like art cannot be uh, you know compared to perfection because yeah. art is a form of expression, not you know being a god of something or whatever. Exactly. Just also the fact that uh, in an exam sometimes as it as the teachers even tell, uh, tell us that if they see a copy with a better answer they would have a first hand expression of first impression that this is a model answer and then they would judge the other answers on the base of that as for art every art is unique you can't think of something as the model art and then judge others based on that when like hmm. also another thing which i find very cruel in such a way we have seen i guess most of the people have seen voice uh like the mm-hmm. voice the reality show so there is this uh, in round 2 after the blind auditions there comes this battle duet where two people have to sing and like they sing the same song or probably different songs i don't exactly remember but in their own styles and then one person has to eliminate one person based on who sang it better and i'm like i have not heard a bad version of the song on that stage but somehow someone has to the like the elimination process or thinking that this artist was than that one uh while it's still entertaining i don't i don't get it i don't get it i don't i i, I can't like mark yeah you know uh there is a thing that art is uh, like the thread that stitches everything together you know stitches all 
those emotions together like you're feeling something you write it down or you paint it you sing it whatever and uh, you express it in a way i can comprehend that is what art is about art is not about you know hitting the perfect scale yeah. as uh, that any person who hasn't trained in it would want to understand it is not that it is not oh my god that person is singing so good i could never it is about oh my god that person is singing so good my uh, my tears are coming out it, it is more about exactly. that oh man also i would like to uh, just end this in a uh, i don't know quirky note that i guess from now on i would start naming the chapters because i obviously as it is very visible in the magnesi series there are just <laughs> amazing nomenclature happens right and by this point i just noticed that so uh, you're going to give it a try well i don't think i would like to give it a try but i guess something that i noticed is a pattern that marissa likes to end her chapters in striking lines and i guess those lines could be like the best titles of her chapters like for this chapter the i guess the title should be i have been programmed to follow instructions i mean <laughs> that that would be the line everyone would be looking to and that would break their heart that would be the perfect note i get it yeah i, I guess <laughs> like why why people like making other people sad or whatever like, <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Ah. so ah. anywho That's the point where this episode ends. To know what happens next, tune in for our next episode at the next Saturday when I continue with Cinder, the book that I'm reading in the TLC series. Also, I would like to mention that Tanisha's episodes of the Magnesis Chronicles comes up every Tuesday. So, heads up for that too. And if you would like to get in touch with us, you can always get in touch with us in the links given below. So, just go ahead. So bye for now see you later love you and love yourselves bye and stay tuned guys have a happy life bye 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 bye, bye. bye.